Let's turn together in the Word of God this morning to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6, and we will read verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, reading verses 1 through 4. Beginning there in verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Before we begin this exposition this morning, let's pray. Father, As we look at this text this morning, Lord, I pray that as the ministry of the Word goes forth, that it will do just that, that the Holy Spirit will minister unto us the great truths that are found in this text. Father, we are grateful for our children. We're grateful for our parents, our fathers, and our mothers. And Lord, may we see the great truths that the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing unto us. Lord, help us now and guide us through your Spirit. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Our subject for today is simply children and parents. If I was to ask you the question, what is distinctive about Christian parents, there might be a number of different answers. Uh, Some would say that parenting depends upon how we view life. It depends on how we choose to do certain things. But we need to understand that Christian parenting in some of the nuances, such as nurturing and admonition, is also found even in non-Christians. There are parents who are non-believers who nurture their children. They take care of their children. They admonish their children. The main difference in Christian parenting and non-Christian parenting is found in verse 1 and verse 4. It's the phrase, in the Lord, in verse 1, and in verse 4, of the Lord. So you see Paul writes about children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The difference between Christian parents and non-Christian parents is in and of the Lord. That's what makes the difference. Christian mothers and fathers, of course, engage in these responsibilities in a totally different way. Parenthood, from a Christian perspective, makes the highest priority of their children, the highest priority of their children is that their children would come to the knowledge of the Lord, that they would come to saving faith. That is our primary responsibility as parents, is that our children would come to have a knowledge of God. The non-Christian parent doesn't make that their priority. The non-Christian parent is not concerned about my child coming to saving faith. That parent is concerned about maybe taking care of their greatest needs. So Paul here gives Christian parents advice on showing how this is our Christian responsibility. Where does discipleship begin? Does discipleship begin in the church or in the home? It begins in the home. 
the church should come alongside and support the home. Our church, as a family-integrated Reformed Baptist church, has an intentional purpose of helping you disciple your children because you have the first and foremost responsibility. It is not the church's responsibility to ultimately raise your children and even, first of all, point them to God. We're going to support the Christian parent trying to lead their children in that direction. So the discipleship of children begins at home. So Paul is challenging parents, and notice he's speaking to a church, but he's challenging these parents to consider what their home life was actually like. What is the general attitude about Christ and his church? How do we directly teach our children and worship within the daily ebbs and flows of a Christian home? Worship is not just something we do on Sunday and on Wednesday night. Worship is supposed to be taking place in the home. The greatest responsibility of actually your children coming to faith is not going to come through the church. It's going to come through your house. It's going to come through your home. And that's an important distinction of our church. Uh, There are not, not every church, this is kind of a side note, not every church takes that approach. Some have said the church is the foremost authority in your life. We're coming alongside of you, authoritative scripture, authoritative of the word, but you have the primary responsibility to raise your children and to point them to Christ. So this passage delivers really a challenge to parents about showing them how do we do these things in the Lord. You'll notice that the first responsibility is given to children and their obedience that's required. Uh, we, are, uh, we are to raise our children to follow Christ. And this is important. I hope, I hope you'll hear me when I say this and understand what I mean. We should raise our children to follow Christ, to guide them how to make Christ their Lord and Savior. But please do not force your children to make a decision for Christ. Please do not force your children to make a decision for Christ. As hard as that is, you cannot force a decision for Christ. I'm going to speak to you a little bit from the heart today, mostly from the word, but I'm going to speak to you from the heart today. Don't force a decision. The the most common pressure that parents put on themselves is to force their children to make a decision for Christ when they think that they're at an age where they can acknowledge it. I'm a parent. I have older children, but I've been where every one of you have been who have younger children. And I know what that is. I know what it is to say, they're ready, they're ready, they're ready. Force a decision, force a decision. Paul never says once, force your children to make a decision for Christ. You lead them with love. You show them the Christ that arrested you. You show them the Christ that constrains you, compels you to do what you do. You point them in the right direction. You teach them the proper doctrine at home. And by the way, very young children can handle more than you give them credit for. They're able to handle some of these things. Admonition and nurturing them in the things of God. The church as a whole, we need to take the calling of Christian parenthood responsibly and take it seriously. We need to think soberly about what God is actually saying to children when he says, obey your parents. 
He's not saying Christian children obey your parents. He's saying children obey your parents. But notice it does say in the Lord. That's very much a challenge because we are only to lead our children as Christian parents in the things and the way of God. That's really, really hard to do in this world. I'm just telling you from experience, and some of you have more experience than I have, but I'm telling you it's really, really hard to raise your children with this kind of admonition and nurture in the world in which we live and not fall into the world's way of doing it. The Word of God is that faithful guide. The Word of God is where we think soberly about what is my responsibility, not only as a child, but what's my my responsibility as a father. Now, Paul doesn't mention mothers here. And I'm going to give you what I believe the Bible means here when we get to that verse. But this does not mean that mothers are not responsible for some nurturing and admonition. There's a reason Paul is addressing fathers. And fathers, I'm telling you, we probably could have preached this message last week on Father's Day. But it's okay now because it's just as important today as it was last Sunday. And the reality is, is Paul is identifying something about the father. And he's not identifying this as a spiritual guide, but he's also identifying the father as having a tendency to maybe do some of the things he's warning against. A little bit of a preview is the word provoke. Now that word is a really strong word, and we'll talk a little bit about what that word encompasses. So why does Paul mention this word obey instead of the word honor that we read in Mark 7? Shouldn't it, first of all, shouldn't Paul have said, we're not trying to correct scripture today, shouldn't Paul have said, children, honor your parents in the Lord for this is right? Well, that could be a conclusion we could come to. We could say, uh, Paul got it wrong. The Bible's not contradictory and the Bible's never wrong. They didn't make a mistake here. It's not the wrong word. The word obedience is there because the word honor, like we read in Mark chapter 7, has a greater extent of meaning than just simply holding them up in reverence. Obedience, listen carefully, obedience is the evidence of honor. So young people, if you want to honor your parents, the greatest way you honor your parents is not hold them up on a pedestal, you obey them. That's your greatest evidence of honor. Now, why does Paul use the word obey your parents in the Lord for this is right? Because obedience is expected. Obedience is to be enforced. It's difficult because the human mind immediately turns away from words like obey and submit, like we've learned over the last number of weeks. When I use the word obey in any kind of situation, our old depraved nature actually cringes a little bit. It doesn't like it. It doesn't like the word obey because it's, it's suggesting and telling me that I've got to subject myself to something that I may or may not agree with. We don't like the word obey. We don't like the word submit. But yet the idea of obedience, okay, and again, the idea of obedience is to place yourself under the authority of another. So what are children to do? They're to place themselves under the authority of another. This is not just obedience because mom said so. This is not obedience because dad said, I'm going to count to three, and if you don't, obedience is actually the heart of the young person or the child saying, I'm going to subject and submit myself under the authority of my parents. That's the evidence that I honor them. So when you have a child 
that is just simply refuses to obey, you're dealing with more than just a lack of obedience, you're dealing with a lack of honor. Because obedience is the evidence that I honor my parents. It's like, it is likewise difficult to find this type of obedience, sadly, even in Christian homes today. It's, it's getting further and further away. To where you would look at a Christian family and you might say, well, isn't that the way all Christian families work? I mean, isn't every child who's grown up in the church and every child who's been raised under the admonition and nurture of the Lord, in the Lord and of the Lord, aren't all these Christian homes, aren't they functioning properly? I would tell you nothing could be farther from the truth. These Christian homes are not all functioning properly. They're not all functioning the way they're supposed to. There are rebels in Christian homes. There are rebellious children, there are rebellious fathers, there are rebellious mothers. There are mothers and fathers who have, who have shirked the responsibility of their children and they've said, listen, I'm just going to let the church do it. And I mean this with all love that I can give you. It's not the church's responsibility to do those things. It's just not. You're not supposed to drop your kids off somewhere and say, fix them and then let them come back when they're 18. You're going to have a mess on your hands. I don't care if they spent their whole life in the church. If parents shirk their responsibilities, that child is going to go their own way. And again, parenting is not for the weak of heart. And it is not something that, especially if you're going to raise your children in the Lord, you are in for the greatest challenge of a lifetime, rivaled only by husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband. These three things are going to be really tough, even in a Christian home. So why does Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, think it's so important to mention this? Because it was contrary to what was most likely happening. The law of nature suggests to us that we are not going to want to obey. What enforces obedience? Authority. You've heard me say this so many times, you, you could probably repeat what I'm going to say. Authority is the key to every relationship. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what relationship is. Relationship to the government, relationship to the family, relationship to your wife, relationship to the church. Any relationship all revolves around who has the authority in this circumstance. But the good parent doesn't say to the child... The reason you ought to obey me is because I have the authority. That's not the way you do it. And how many, how many arguments do Christian parents try to end that way? God gave me the authority, now do it. I'm just suggesting to you, and again, you as parents, you're responsible for your children. I've never seen that work. Not in its truest sense. But I have seen it work to where a parent helps their child understand the levels of authority and why God says so. And this goes all the way, you gotta go all the way back to creation like we've been studying. You gotta go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Authority started in the garden. It started all the way back at creation. It started way back then. If the command of God is clear here, what's the command? Children, obey your parents. It leaves it leaves absolutely no wiggle room here. But notice what it says. In the Lord, for this is right. What does he mean by right? 
according to God's order and according to God's authority. That's what makes it right. It's not right because you're a good parent. It's right because that's the order that God has given. If the command of God is supposed to be the rule by which we live by, isn't submission by the child to their parents required? Yes, it's required. A child that disobeys their parents is shirking not the authority of the parents first, but the authority of God. You got a bigger problem when you have a rebellious child than just you. Okay? Speaking very frankly, you got a bigger problem than just you. You got a problem with the first and foremost authority, which is the authority of God. That's where your biggest problem is. Now, again, that's not always easy to see, it's not easy to identify, but that's where the structure starts. Paul is not starting from that place of saying, no, let's, let's, let me give you the scenario here. You notice he doesn't give us any context. We, we jumped from verse 33 about a husband loving his wife to all of a sudden jumping into chapter 6. Now, again, sometimes chapter divisions are unfortunate because I don't think this was a... Paul didn't turn a page. It was a running, it was a running narrative about the home. He just turns from the husbands and the wives and now he says, okay, children... Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It's added here, for this is right, in the Lord. Okay, So the idea here about in the Lord, that parents are supposed to be obeyed with consistent reverence to God. Being a believing parent doesn't mean you're good at Christian parenting. I'm not insulting, we've all been there. But the idea that a Christian parent is going to turn out this child that's going to be a perfect Christian or even close to Christian, you can be Christians and not be doing it right. Okay, it happens. You can, you can and, and by the way, I can look back over all of our years and I'm just telling you, and I've got witnesses that could tell you, there's been a lot of mistakes made along the way. I mean, big mistakes. Like, what were you thinking mistakes? Like, how did you actually think that was good for your child? And situations where we as a couple said, we think this is a good idea. And now we look at each other and say, what were we thinking? We were Christian parents. We were thinking from Christian perspective. And a lot of it, we just simply said, well, this is the Lord's will. or this is... You can do this and miss. It's got to be done with reverence to God's authority and reverence with God's, with God's holiness in mind. It's, it's piety. It, it's, it's a humbling thing to be a parent. And it is some of the most humbling situations you'll ever get into is a result of being a parent. But we are not at liberty, and Paul is talking about here, we should never do anything to lead our child away from the primary goal which is what? That they come to a saving knowledge of Christ. The greatest goal is not that your child turns out to be a well-adjusted adult. Does everybody understand that? That's not your... The well-adjusted adult is not a Christian expression. Matter of fact, you can't even tell me what that means. What is a well-adjusted adult? Because all I see are a bunch of adults who need a lot of adjustments. I, that's what, what is it? 
Or can I say that's a child that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And by the grace of God, God opened their eyes to them in spite of all my mistakes and in spite of all of my failures. Somehow, some way, that person still turned out to be a child of God. That I didn't force a decision on them. I didn't make them decide for Christ. But he says this is right. Why is it right? Because God has commanded it. Children are not at liberty to dispute the obedience of their parents. Now, we can, get into the, we can get into a lot of controversial things. Of course, parents asking their children to do something immoral or asking their children to do something illegal, you're in a whole different realm here. And I think everybody in this audience understands uh, what we're talking about here. But he goes on, and he doesn't start, again, he doesn't start with honor until he gets to verse number two. Again, after obedience is already supposed, here's where the honor is. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Not only does this explain who parents are, okay? Don't let the world dictate to you what parents are. There is no couple that's a parent except a mother and a father. That might get us kicked off Facebook, but that's okay. That's the only parental relationship in this case, all right? Father and mother. Now, I understand you've got grandparents that are raising children. It happens still father and mother. It's not birthing parent. Okay? It's not a, you, you are not a birthing parent. That, that's not what this is. Honor thy father and mother. That's the way God's authority of structure has been, will always be. Don't let the world start to just get its claws into you and start telling you, you know, just become okay with this. Become okay because the, the parents are so loving to this child. That is not of God. It can never be of God. A forbidden relationship cannot be a proper structure for Christian parenthood. It can't be. And I'm not disputing whether or not they love that child. They probably do love that child, but they're dishonoring God and they're doing a great harm to their child by doing it the wrong way. It's hard enough to do it the right way. But these children are told to honor their father and mother. Notice he doesn't say honor perfect fathers, honor perfect mothers. Not only is honor suggest obedience, but they also are to be loved. Part of honor is to love. Part of honor is to fear. They are to submit to their corrections. Parents should acknowledge And the child should acknowledge when they have caused offense to their own parents. But that also means your child, you have to deal with them. You have to deal with their temperament. Those of you that have more than one child know exactly what I'm talking about. Your children have all different temperaments. It has been, it's been remarkable. It's been remarkable to watch this church over the last few years when I was, I was, we were at a point when there was no kids in this church except my own. None. And now I look around and I'm watching all of you parents, I'm watching your children, and those of you that have more than one child, and even, even one, with one child, watching their temperaments is absolutely astounding. And how you interact with them is astounding. Because their temperament tells you how to deal with them. And it's not always the same. You know them. But part of parenting is dealing with their temperaments. But children, that also means you deal with your parents' temperaments. 
This honor that Paul is talking about here is honor that's not just in word, but it's in thought, in word, in deed. To honor your parents means to think of them highly and to esteem them. I'm going to tell you something just brutally honest from my heart. There's nothing that makes me more sad than to hear children run down their parents. And I hear Christian kids do it. And I know part of it is the pressure that, listen, uh, my friends were talking about their parents and I felt the pressure I just needed to, you should, you should esteem, you should esteem and love your parents. You should hold them in high regard. You should hold them in higher regard because of their imperfections. But that the fact that they're, they are attempting to raise you and admonish you in the, in the Lord and of the Lord. Honor is also demonstrated by speaking to them honorably. Be respectful. Where has respect gone in society? Does anybody know where it went? I, I'm, I'm floored how I hear parents, children talk to them. I, I stand back and I said, there is, and I know this is cliched, there is no way I would have gotten that word off my tongue before my father would have corrected me. And I watched the parent just say, well, no, no, it's okay. It's, o- it's not okay. <laughs> you say it's okay one time and then you wonder when they're a teenager why they're doing it because when they were five years old, you said it was okay. They don't forget. But that respect isn't just with the parents. That respect is just with people in society. Watch how a disrespectful child deals with other people in society. They're that way in a restaurant. They're that way in a store. They're that way in a school. And yet, this respect also leads back to what Jesus was speaking about in Mark 7. That even when, we're, even when our children are older, we should be able to relieve some of their needs. We should be able to assist them. When our parents get older, and you, you kids, I want you to listen to me carefully. There's going to come a day when you're going to look one day, and you're going to look at your parents, and you're going to say, what in the world happened? I told you, I'm throwing, I'm throwing right from the heart this morning. Why, why can't mom and dad do what they used to do? And you're going to find yourself with your own family. You're going to look up one day, and your own parents, they used to be able to do everything and anything. Now they can't do anything for themselves. You need to care for them. And you need to do the best you can to care for them. And don't ever, ever, ever take your parents for granted that they're always going to be here. Please don't do that. Because the reality is, is we've all been given time and we've all been given the space that this, this is what God has set our boundaries and he has said, here is the time that you have. Parenting's the same way. Folks, you don't get to go back and do it over. You don't get to go back and say, you know what, I just want, I want to do over. But by the grace of God, you try to do the right thing by the Lord. You try to do the right thing. And you just allow God to do his work. But take care of them. There's going to come a time for every single person in this room, if it hadn't already happened to you, where you're going to have to take care of your parent in some way, shape, or form. 
I want to just I want you to hold your place here for a moment. I want you to go to 1 Timothy 5. And I want you to see this because it's interesting to me that Paul, in the midst of doctrine, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm always floored by this, that in the midst of one of the great doctrinal chapters in the Bible, Paul makes mention of providing for widows. But he also makes, he makes specific mention in verse 4. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. Don't lose sight and forget your own parents. I have watched over the years, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to shoot as straight with you today as I can. I have watched people, and again, I hope you'll take this in the right spirit. I've watched people in churches like ours over the years, I've not seen it here, where a person is more concerned about another widow, does everything they can to take care of that widow, and isn't doing anything for their own parent. Can I tell you your greatest responsibility is to your own parent first? It always will be. I wish, I wish, when I was at some of the age of the kids that are here today and the young, young people that are here today, I wish I'd have understood really what honoring my parents was because I really thought at some point I did. But I will tell you, I didn't understand what honoring my father was until he was gone. It's one of, great, it's one of life's great lessons. I had no idea what it was to honor my And I, ra- I was raised in a Christian home. I had no idea... Or I just didn't want to have an idea of what honoring my father was. And now I can't. Now I have the great joy of knowing I'm going to see him someday because he's a believer. I know that. But honor is such an important thing. Honor thy father and thy mother. This comprehends and explains all the responsibilities of what respect of children towards their parents should be. Honor properly signifies to perform one's responsibility to another. In order to do this right, you have to reverence your own parents. Now, it's interesting that Paul connects this with a promise, which is the first commandment with promise. The promises connected to this commandment are intended here to excite our hopes. It's supposed to help us understand our obedience, not so much as a reward, But Paul uses this kind of wording to plead with the children. But he's not just simply saying, hey, if you do this, you'll get a reward. Now, I'm going to stop myself from going down that road. Okay? Obedience is not just because you don't just reward it. You start offering a reward for obedience. So I'm going down the road, aren't I? They'll be 40 years old saying, what's my reward? The church has turned it into a reward factory. Read your Bible, you get a sticker. Read your Bible, you get a game. Read your Bible, you get a reward. Obey your parents. Listen, this is a commandment with a promise, and a promise that is much deeper than that. Paul's not just simply say offer a reward to him who obeys his father and mother, but that this particular offer is peculiar to this commandment. You realize not every commandment has a promise attached to it. 
You realize that? There are commandments that don't have a promise. But this one says, and it's connected, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. If every commandment had its own promise, there would have been no grounds for Paul to make such a big deal about this one. But he said, this is the first commandment with promise. Paul tells us God has been pleased to give us a remarkable promise. Paul says there's something about this commandment that no other commandment has. What is that promise? Verse 3, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. What's the promise? The promise is long life. Which we're led to understand that it's the present life that you have is meant to be understood as a gift. You shouldn't overlook life as a gift of God. You realize how many times we go to bed at night just assuming life is just a, it's just, it's just a given. You put your head down at night and you say, I've just, I, I got tomorrow. I know tomorrow is going to be just the same as it was today, just with different things. Your life is completely established by God. Your life is, and he says that it may be well with thee. The reward promised of the obedient child is appropriate here. That those who show kindness and honor and obedience to their parents, by the way, that's where you got your earthly life from. Now again, we talked about the beautiful picture of adoption in Bible study today. And yes, there are situations where the actual mother who gave birth is no longer in the picture. But understand something, that adopted parent, those parents that adopted you, have given you life. It may not be in the physical sense, but I'm telling you, and adopted parents who have done this, I'm, I'm telling you, I sit back and I am in awe. I'm in amazement. I've never been through that personally. But to watch that happen and to watch that that child is absolutely, positively no different than a child you actually gave birth to. There is such a beauty in this that you get your very life from your parents. Understanding God is the ultimate sovereign God in it all. But Paul makes that connection, that it may be well with thee. It's an amazing thing. I've watched enough kids over the years that kids that think that their life is so good when they're rebelling against their parents are actually the most miserable children on the planet. I've dealt with my share of rebellious teenagers, and honestly, it's starting even young. It's not even, I don't even think about the word rebellious teenagers. And I'm telling you, they think they're happy because they're doing opposite of what mom and dad want, and they're anything but happy. Rebellion never brings happiness. It never brings us to the place where you say, look, I, look, look at me, I'm doing whatever I want to do. I'm talking to my parents like I want to talk to them. He connects it with not only being well, but look, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, Paul is not just throwing this out as something random. He's actually quoting Exodus 20, verse 12. If you want to turn there quickly, Exodus 20, verse 12. He, he's doing nothing more than taking right from what was in the passage of the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Even the Jews understood this to mean that 
without the honor of their father and mother, they could not even conceive a life of happiness. In other words, even the Jewish people who did not acknowledge Christ would say that if I don't honor my father and my mother, I can't expect to have joy in this life. I can't expect to have any worth in this life. There is a divine blessing that's being promised here. John Gill said about the length of days and living long on the earth, he said, length of days is in itself a blessing. And though man's days cannot be lengthened beyond God's purpose and decree, and though obedient children do not always live long, yet disobedience to parents often brings the judgments of God on children so that they die not a common death. Now, parents, let me just stop here and say, I know I just, I just dealt with a pretty heavy topic, okay? And I understand that anytime you come to church, there are subjects you might hear. You might have to deal with what we're talking about today, okay? I would recommend that every parent who's got younger children, you have a conversation about what we're talking about today. Because these things matter. And I don't want to overstep my boundaries, but I also want you to see that this is what God's Word says. So this is not me saying, hey, if your kids don't do this, here's the result. I'm just giving you Scripture as it's written. So these verses, these three verses that we've talked about already, refer mainly okay, to unmarried children who are living at home with their parents. Okay, there's, a, there's an honor, there's a respect, there's a reverence that's due to our parents all of our lives. But there's a different type of respect and honor for children that are still at home. Children that are still at home are 100% fully under the authority of those parents. Please don't buy the lie that says when they're 18, they're no longer under your authority if they're under your roof. I know what I was at 18. You know what you probably were at 18. You really didn't know what you were doing. You just don't. <laughs> you think you do, but you don't. That does not make a child an adult, nor does 21. There are 50-year-old children still living at home. Okay, it doesn't make you, this idea of childhood, okay, 18, I don't have to do this anymore. No, this has is, this is got longer legs to it than just that. But primarily, that's who Paul's talking about. There still ought to be, even after you're on your own, there still should be a respect and an honor. And of course, in the Lord, of course, we cannot expect children to obey evil things, asking our children to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. And those are peculiar circumstances that have to be dealt with. But this honoring of our parents touches on these many areas. Honoring goes beyond just simply loving them. Honoring goes beyond simply just obeying. You know what a child has to do in order to do that? They have to overlook some of the imperfections and infirmities of their own parents. Man, think about, think about us that are adults in the room. How high of a standard we held our parents to. And every mistake they made, boy, we magnified it. Magnified it. That ought not be the case. We should respect them as a place and honor them, not just how we speak to them, but honor them in our thoughts and our attitudes. And as we've already talked about, cared for in their old age. That's the first command with promise. Let's finish with this. 
And again, why does Paul use the word, and ye fathers? Provoke not. Now, this doesn't mean that mothers can't do this. This doesn't mean that mothers are never guilty of provoking. But he identifies in this particular case, fathers are not to provoke. What does it mean to provoke? You provoke your child by unreasonable severity. I know a parent that had the same punishment for everything they did. You are making a terrible mistake. Everything does not deserve the same punishment. Provoking is not just picking on them. Provoking is being unreasonably severe with them. You know, some of you grew up in a home where they, you ask, and again, I'm not trying to open wounds. You say, how was your father? And they'll say something like, he was a severe disciplinarian. And what they mean by that is it just means that whatever, that you just didn't want to get out of line. You were afraid of dad because you knew, you knew if, if dad found out, it was going to have severe consequences. Provoking doesn't mean there's no discipline. Provoking means it's unreasonable to match the offense. Not everything deserves the same punishment. What does unreasonable severity do? It excites hatred. It might, in some cases, allow them and lead them to just simply say, you know what, if that's the way you're going to treat me, I'll take, the, I'll, I'll take my chances. And I'm just going to throw all of your authority off and I'm not going to listen to anything you say. So by the more severe you get, you're actually making it worse. But these fathers, Paul also wrote in Colossians about this. Colossians 3.21, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. In the same concept, he said in, in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Discouragement is a brutal thing. Discouragement is the thing that leads a tendency to no longer have any honor, any respect for parents. Parents should treat their children with kindness. They should actually treat them with kind words, not harsh and rude. If a child is being disruptive, again, I, I'm stepping on toes, I'm stepping on my own. Yelling at them or raising your voice is not going to change the outcome. It's not. I know it may cool the situation, it's not, going to call, it's not going to solve the situation. Now, Paul uses strong language here. Provoke not your children to wrath. Wrath, either in words or by unreasonable commands. Reproachful language. Fathers, be very careful. Mothers as well. But fathers, be very careful about running down your own children to other people. You know, sometimes we, we take it in, in jest, but sometimes people are serious. They get in a group of people, other parents, and they run down their child to the other parent. It's not a good idea. It's going to cause a lot of problems down the road. But provoking them to wrath also would be maybe preferring one child over another. Denying them certain things to try to get back at them. Don't allow them certain things. Not giving them proper education. 
Parents should be, and fathers should be, to correct in love. They should be able to rebuke their children properly, but they should not do it that provokes wrath. Folks, I can't tell you what's going on in the spiritual realm when these things are happening. Fathers are mentioned here, I believe, in particular because fathers understand, even Christian fathers understand, wait a minute, God has told me I'm supposed to be the head of my home. Sometimes that being the head of the home, let me just be brutally honest with you, actually goes to your head and you think I'm going to exert my authority as the head of the home and you end up being more severe than what's necessary. It's often the case, not every case, that that's usually the father that does that, not the mother. Again, it's not a can't paint that with a broad, too broad of a brush. Sometimes mothers, again, sometimes, can be too indulgent. Give too much. Again, it's not always the case. So that Paul says, instead, instead of provoking, bring them up. The phrase bring them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord has the tone to it of let them be fondly cherished. It comes from a Greek word which is translated to bring up. It conveys the idea of gentleness and forbearance. Yes, we should guard them against evil things. We should keep them from things. There is a rain that has to be drawn in here. This doesn't, this doesn't mean we don't instruct and we don't give them reproof. In other words, being overly kind when you should have been corrective is not going to help. In other words, there's times you have to correct your children. Go back to the chasing hand of God. God chastens us because He loves us. I've talked to kids that have told me to my face, no kids here have told me to my face, my, my mom and dad, they don't ever correct me. That scares me. And oftentimes, and I've seen this in the classroom, this is where I've seen it primarily, it carries over. They have to be corrected. But Paul says, bring them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord. Instruct them in the knowledge of divine things. Instruct them, set a good example. Keep them from falling into bad company. Pray with your children. Bring them to the house of God. Teach them about grace. Teach them the importance of attending the worship services of a church. Paul gives great examples of how this is to go. Fathers are named here primarily because of their head of the family. They're, they're apt to be too severe. But both parents are intended to be responsible for the welfare spiritually, especially of their children. And by the way, verses like spare the rod and spoil the child or things we hear like that, understand that that doesn't, that doesn't give you a right to beat your child. I've heard it way too much. That's that, what, what that is, what people say that this is okay, that, that's not corrective. This is just a side note. 
Do, do your rebuke privately. Take your child aside. Don't, don't correct them in front of a group of people. It's humiliating. Even if that child's wrong, it's humiliating. Take them aside. Part of discipline and part of raising your child is to know the proper response at a proper time. Here's a, here's a profound insight. Your children are not adults. So quit expecting them to act like an adult. I mean, we, act, we sometimes act to our kids and we say, how could you be thinking that? Well, they're not an adult. And again, just being an adult doesn't mean you're thinking right, but they're not you. This is, this, this is something, again, I, 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 just bear with me for a moment. I'm just, I'm just giving you this as a piece of counsel. Do the very, very best you can to shield your children from the adult problems and the adult misunderstandings that you have. There are certain things you just shouldn't be discussing when the kids are there. They don't need to know everything going on in your life. They don't need to know about every difficulty the church is going through. They don't need to know about every difficulty your family's going through. They don't need to know about every difficulty that grandma and grandpa or your cousins are going through. I'm telling you, folks, they can't, they can't take all of that. And you're putting an unnecessary burden on them. They're not ready to handle. Adults can't even handle it. Don't expect the kids to handle it. Protect them from some of the trials. You know, how many times you heard that parent say, well, they got to grow up. Do you really want your young person? Do they really need to know all the trials of the world? Do they need to know all the trials of parenthood? Do they need to know about everything? No. There is a part about them still being children, right? What I love about this passage is I don't think Paul was doing anything more than giving one of the most practical exhortations he could possibly give on Christian parenthood. Like you, you start digging into this and you know how we could, we could picture Christ and the church and the husband and, and the wife relationship. This section of chapter six goes right down to the practicalities of how believers are supposed to live. So here's our summary. The great responsibility of children is to obey their parents. That obedience includes inward reverence as well as, as, well as outward acts. The duty of parents, don't be impatient, don't be unreasonably severe, deal wisely with children, bring them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord under proper and compassionate correction. Do all of that with the knowledge of God at the forefront. What I'm doing, even in correcting you, is trying to teach you the knowledge of God. Do you know how much you can teach your children about the love of Christ just by the way you discipline them? Discipline is not just for discipline's sake. Discipline is to teach them the love of Christ. Oftentimes we forget that very oftentimes and we think our children are automatically pliable when they're kids. Do you realize that many, many children at a very young age, because of the, the fact that they're not as pure as you think they are, actually at a very young age, many kids set their heart against God. 
at a very young age. And I'm not, people think it just happens when they turn 18 or they turn 13. There are young children who are capable of completely setting their heart on something other than God. And you should expect that because if they've not come to the knowledge of the saving faith in Christ, they're going to set their heart to their own nature. Their own nature is themselves. So if you wait until they're 12 or 13 to start talking about the deep things of God, you've got a very steep road that you're going to climb. Some of you have, have, have told me, and I've been blessed by it. Again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm going on, but I, how you're intentionally teaching your children even the basic truths about God at a very young age. Some of you, some of you are actually doing Baptist catechisms with your kids. I am floored by that. And they're, they're so young, and the, the question that you're asking them, and they know the answer to, I'm like, do you know how deep that is to actually even be comprehending that in their mind? These are the things that make the difference between a Christian parent and a non-Christian parent. It's what you're doing in the spiritual realm. We know that even though children set their heart against God, it should not be an excuse for children's disobedience. We pray that God will change their heart and God rewards and honors the parents that are trying to do it properly. Folks, I hope this morning, I hope in some way this has at least encouraged you, it's helped you, it's guided us, and I hope we can rejoice in God as we leave here in just a moment. Let's remain seated. I'm going to pray and then I'll have you stand and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. But let's remain seated for now, then I'll pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, I thank you that you've allowed the liberty and the time to deal with this subject this morning. Lord, we know that this is a difficult responsibility that parents and children have. But I pray, Lord, that the Spirit will give us clear understanding of the subject at hand. May we be parents that desire to raise our children in the Lord and admonish and nurture them in the Lord. And may our children see the responsibility that they have before you to live a life that pleases you in their obedience and honor towards their parents. Father, we would be remiss if we left this meeting again without pleading and begging for the gift of repentance to be granted here today where it needs to be and that belief would be realized and that soul would be converted whether here in this building or even online. Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for all these things. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to give you just a couple verses and then we'll be on our way. I want you to take this kind of as a benediction today, if you will. Colossians 3, you don't have to turn there, verse 12. says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you.